This episode of LedgerCast is brought to you by Brave New Coin. Go to ledgerstatus.com slash BNC to check it out today. Try BNC Pro to manage your portfolio of cryptocurrency uh, positions, whether it's Bitcoin, altcoins, over-the-counter trades, really anything you can throw at it, it can handle it. It's an all-encompassing terminal-like solution to manage your cryptocurrency portfolio. It's a really high-quality product, and I think you'll love it. Just go to ledgerstatus.com slash BNC to check it out. While you're over there at bravenewcoin.com, check out Crypto Conversations with Andy Pickering. It's a great show where he's interviewing uh, lots of fine guests. It's a little different than our show here where we're doing more price analysis and news and stuff like that. Andy's usually interviewing folks that are influential in the cryptocurrency markets, and it's an excellent show. I think you'll enjoy that as well. Thanks so much to Brave New Coin for being a Ledger Status partner and uh, hanging in there with us throughout all our episodes and shenanigans. They're a great partner to have. Go to ledgerstatus.com slash BNC to check out everything that they've got. And one final plug for them is just sign up for their daily newsletter, which has uh, an excellent rundown of kind of the goings-on of the market. Everything you need to see that day is right there in the newsletter. It's one of my favorite products of theirs. All right. Thanks so much to Brave New Coin. Here's the show. Hello and welcome to LedgerCast. My name is Brian Krogsgaard. I'm here with Josh Olswich. Hey, Josh. Hey, Brian. How's it going? Pretty good. You know, it feels like uh, 2017 in my Twitter mentions right now. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I breached the 120k follower mark i've been oh, you had an actual increase in followers yeah i've been watching the twitter analytics a little bit here it's a pretty good sign you know somebody mentioned something about their twitter um they meant yeah like you're saying you're, the tweets are getting more retailish so. <laughs> <laughs> tweets are getting more retailish the, yeah uh, I, I don't know that i don't i don't know that it's uh quite the activity of you know all the all the retail entering the market in 2017. I think for me personally, it's more of uh, I discovered the Link Marines, and uh, for the past I don't know 12 hours or so, my Twitter has just been blowing up due to that delightful little community. Yeah, they're um, definitely an interesting one. You know, you present you present any cult with a bunch of facts that go against Whoa. their they beliefs. Don't, they don't like being called a cult. Yeah, I, I call them that. a cult. It's fine. It's not a big deal. And anyway, they uh, yeah, nobody likes the truth when it's not. Yeah. Well, I was like, hey, this is like one of the most bullish charts I've ever seen in crypto, and then they got mad at me somehow. I'm like, what? Not on your side here. So that's yeah. that. We'll talk. We'll talk about alts in a little bit. Um, I want to start with basically this idea that uh you know everything is looking pretty bullish and obviously there's room for pullbacks but all the the large time frame stuff looks really good both of us are kind of on the same page and i guess what's interesting is uh we're seeing a little bit of a run together routine here where alts and bitcoin are playing off each other uh, which I guess means money's entering the market, right? Money's coming off the sidelines to fuel both at one time, wouldn't you say? I don't know. It's hard to say. Like, there's there's a lot of variables here. So the, the it's definitely alt season. There's no doubt about it in my mind. Like, if somebody like me can pick twelve alts, and they're all in the green since December, like, yeah, it's definitely alt season. That's that's number one. This, number two is Bitcoin dominance keeps falling, which is super bullish for alts. Uh, number three is USDT has been unable to hold a dollar over the past, what is it, two months now, which just is bearish in general for the market. So it's weird, like there's a bit of a divergence there that USDT is just not above a dollar, 
yet we keep going up. Um, there was a USDT burn the other day for what 50 million. I forget the amount, but that was a good sign. I think there's probably too much supply in the market. Um, not enough like demand to absorb what's going on with the price, but even then the USDT price is still below a dollar. So there's some you, super some, weirdness there. Is some of that coming from the fact that other altcoins are getting or other uh, alternative uh, stable coins are starting to get some attention? Like are people like using more USDC or PACs or whatever all those other options are? Is that, could that be part well, of the issue with USDT? It could be. And there's another like side thing that I haven't investigated fully, but we're seeing a lot of just activity on stable coins in general, as far as uh, burns and uh, prints like Huobi's stable coin. They've printed like 5 million in the past week, which for them is a lot. USDC is burning and minting 10 million, 10 million at a time. PAX is burning and minting a bunch as well. It's like, there's definitely a lot of movement going on in the stable coin arena as far as minting and burning is concerned. What I haven't looked at is like uh, transactions per day or anything for anything but Tether. Tether's transactions have dropped off a lot. And that could be related to the um, plus token stuff sort of dying off. If you mm. look at if you look at the plus token uh, popularity, like the ERC20 Tether exploded directly correlated with um, the plus token stuff from like April to June, July last year. And since then, the ERC-20 USDT stuff has fallen off a lot. So I don't know. There's there's so many variables with the USDT stuff. But to me, the one thing that sticks out is the fact that Tether just is unable to hold above a dollar. That's just weird to me. I don't have any thoughts on that. Besides like competition's good, obviously. Like we shouldn't have relying on one stable coin for the entire system is causes systemic risk or creates systemic risk. So yeah, yeah. I'm glad that there are more I, than I one. I guess I don't think anybody would really feel bad about Tether taking a back seat in the stablecoin market, except for people that work at Bitfinex. <laughs> so I I don't have big opinions on it. I I, I want to see I want to see some news behind it. But like you said, maybe it's the prices uh, or the discrepancy between Tether and, and the dollar is some kind of leading indicator for something else. But it's not something I feel like I can speculate on until we actually hear better reasoning for why. However, I would think if te if Tether was less popular, then we'd see Tether's exiting the market, which it doesn't seem like we're actually seeing. So I don't I don't know. Well, we saw uh, a little a mini burn. Like, like the logic is like if Tether is below a dollar, there's more supply than demand because people are swapping Tether for crypto, right? Yeah. So maybe that's maybe it's just as simple as that. But since up until December, so like from July to December, Tether below a dollar usually represented bearish conditions for BTC. Um, like anytime it, it clipped below a dollar, we had a big move down. Um, in August, a big move down in September, a big move down in June. So maybe it's flipped and being below a dollar is now bullish. I don't know. Like the correlations could have flipped and I'm just like too stuck in this one mindset. But it's just weird that it's like that. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, so I want to talk about Bitcoin price and everything. Before we do, there were a couple of things in the legacy market that I think are fun to cover. One, 
we saw an amazing blow off top that all of crypto was also paying attention to in equities all of the finance world was paying attention to uh, Tesla hit 960 no 971 dollars something like that uh, so Tesla <laughs> Tesla blew off the top it went from 630 up to 960 plus in the course of like a day and now it's flagging down at 730 or so and looking like it wants to take a leg lower and looks like it's going to make some uh, Robin Hood bag holders were you watching this price action because this was just a true beauty from a yeah, price I mean, action perspective. Yeah, from an entertainment perspective for sure. There was something like 40,000 uh Robinhood accounts or something that had bought Tesla for the first time at like above 700 bucks. Um, yeah, one of our one of our mutual friends has this uh that Robinhood tracker, robintrack.net and then you can look by symbol and the number of Tesla holders was going up parabolically with the price and that was basically when it hit kind of an all-time high of holders was when it crashed before then okay so i can't uh, 170,000 users were holding it on june 16th back when the price was like $200 and then the number of users holding they were just selling as it went sideways and barely up and then the number of users holding tanked as it went up to about 350. So basically all those people that were holding for all that time uh, missed the ride up. And then when it started going above $500, they all started piling back in. And as soon as it hit the prior high of like the number of Robinhood users holding, that's when the top blew off and they all got stuck. So like it's, it's just an amazing chart that I'm going to link up in the show notes. And it's something I really want to start watching on some of these like retail hype equity type of things because I mean that's it was just too good. It was kind of like a commitment of traders type of chart, but it's number of Robin Hood users. Yeah, there's a lot of things about the chart that are super interesting. Like before this run up, there was an Adam and Eve, a 200 EMA breach, a cloud breach on the daily. Uh, all these things we're seeing on crypto as well, like all across the board. Not saying that everything's going to go parabolic or anything, but. Uh, so there's that, like the technical side is super interesting to me. Um, and then I'm seeing people like short all the way up from like 600 to 700 to, to 800, just constantly, even you were like shorting whatever, some crazy strategy with options or something. And I was just thinking to myself, why, what's the point? Like I see nothing here that says we're at a, at a macro top yet. Um, and then the next day we saw that uh, spinning top candle, which if you know candlesticks that says there's indecision there. Over. Yeah, it's basically buyers and sellers have come to an equilibrium and there's indecision. And in, in general, it just means a reversal is likely in the near future. And the very next day, it dropped like, what, 20% or something. Yeah, um, we've seen charts like this uh, in crypto many times. I mean, Bitcoin did its own version of it, but it was definitely the type of chart you saw peak alt season last time. So I think it's just a good lesson to learn as... For sure. Uh, as we're seeing bullishness in crypto markets, uh, one, things can go farther than you'd expect. I mean, Tesla is a, what, 100, currently it's a $130 billion market cap company. It was probably 150 plus just <laughs> the other day. And uh, it's hard to move a, st a stock like that. And a stock did it. So I guess uh, just be careful when it comes to crypto where it's 
much less liquid, much easier to move around. And yeah, I was entertained I mean, this by was, that. This is like... short, by the way, I made money on Tesla, although it was a little dicey there because <laughs> I, <laughs> before the spinning top day, the day before that was just this yeah. big mega green candle up to yep. about 775. Yeah. So that's where I actually started my short and then I kind of rolled it up the next day. The funny thing about options though is when a stock like that goes up like 15%, the implied vol volatility, the IV went up so much that actually I was making money on puts which you know means I'm bearish. I was making money on them even when the price had gone 15 to 20% against me. Because those options market makers were like, oh, gosh, and like they just start padding the premium that people have to pay and people were just piling in. Uh, so I actually was profitable on them, but I did have to get out quickly because as soon, just as quickly as that IV can build up as it starts to you know, calm down, the IV breaks down. So there's a lot of strategy you can play. I didn't play like direct puts. I did, a, I did this thing where you're kind of collecting premium on one side and then paying premium on the other. It's like a spread of sorts, mm -hmm. uh, and it worked okay. But I would have been better off just pay, like just doing the puts. Like I would have made five times as much because I actually only lost money on the one that was selling the premium because the IVs went up so much. So anyway, it was a fascinating. It was a fun trade. I did the whole thing on Twitter. So if you want to get nerdy on options, you can go look at that. Yeah, it was like a, an amalgam of factors. There's like the Elon Paul cult of personality. There's a Cybertruck thing. There's the short squeeze. There's this uh, free retail trading stuff going on. So I think all that contributed, plus like the QE or whatever was going on right now in, in the market. Um, just like the perfect storm for Tesla <laughs> to yeah. like pop off like that it's definitely impressive no matter what it is but specifically tesla yeah and you know one thing i noticed too at the super bowl uh the commercials there were so many car commercials first of all i've never remember that many car commercials but almost all of them were for ev or electric hybrid vehicles which i've never seen that many did you notice that at all yeah i mean i've i think people can hate tesla i don't care yeah uh, i I, <laughs> I think that at a minimum, they changed the market. They put mm -hmm. EVs in demand more so than they've ever been. At best, before that, people were, you know, willing to go in the hybrid route. And I think they took it to the next level to where you can't be a car company and not be paying attention to the the fully electric market. So yeah, and I also thought it was interesting that oil was dumping as Tesla was rising. And as soon as Tesla dumped, oil went back. <laughs> Did yeah, you notice that too? Yeah, there's a ton of uh, there's a ton of interesting macro stuff, and you know we've talked a lot about legacy markets. We won't spend too much more time on it, but the coronavirus stuff has been mostly ignored by equity markets and not ignored whatsoever in terms of commodity markets. Uh, so oil and uh, some of the like copper, industrial metals, things like that, mm -hmm. where China is just a really big part of the market. They're feeling they're feeling the heat from the coronavirus stuff, while U.S. equity markets, in particular, just aren't. Uh, I've heard a lot of good reasons for why that might be the case. Like maybe people are just saying, "Well, screw it, I'm going to American assets because those are the safest." Um, I, whatever it is, we're it, it, you know the the U.S. stock market keeps every dip's being bought 
and it, it looks like it wants to continue being that way for a little while. It's hard, very hard to predict the top. I've tried. Uh, I should have held. You know, I was. I'll be short one day and and long the next. It's hard for me to decide. I'm just trying to be very cautious in that market. But we are seeing some of this stuff spill over into crypto. And what I found interesting recently is, you know, we've been talking about gold. Gold has been like not bearish, but it hasn't like exactly been just slamming upward. You were uh, like mega bullish last pod. We were talking about it. I and I still well, it broke down from that, but then it caught like it caught the bid and kind of went into no man's land. So it's like still bullish on a macro sense. I think it's super bullish, but the problem is uh, one is it's pretty expensive to be bullish depending on how you're trading it, uh, and two like it's right against resistance. So it you don't know how long it's going to kind of churn around in this zone before it pops up or if it's going to churn around break down and then pop up either way i'm looking for new gold highs in 2020 but whether it drops like 10 percent first i don't know and that makes it pretty hard to trade especially if you're looking at it with options or something where losing 10 percent means your options go to zero <laughs> so i try to be nimble josh yeah uh, i'm um, just looking at the chart to see it was like that weekly cup and handle when the drop gold thing was going on and then yeah it's just been up ever since but it kind of mirrored um the btc eth how we had that like few days of down and then ever since then it's just been a rocket ship straight up like look at the four hour eth candles insane the, the four hour oh yeah and let's go ahead and skip to ethereum and bitcoin um because like I, I don't remember a chart looking like that in recent memory, especially for ETH. And like, if you look at the on-chain stuff, which I did yesterday, cause I was talking to somebody about this pretty deeply, like active addresses are not rising and newly created addresses are not rising. Like the, there's, to me, the on-chain stuff does not support what's going on. Um, price it's wise. gone up, it's gone up about 25% with no real dip whatsoever. Uh, I mean, there have been, two four-hour candles of like not real dips like sideways before continued upward momentum it looks like there's basically been all but one green candle for like 10 or 12 four-hour candles in a row uh this thing looks primed correct or just mm -hmm. not uh like it, it looks like the type that's going to wick really hard in one day go down let me see what this percentage is the the spot where I would be very interested in is four or five percent to the downside. That would be kind of your tap back on the Adam and Eve double bottom, something like that. Uh, but it looks like it, it just wants to rock it down really quickly, and then you should see it get bought just as quickly. And I mean, I thought two hundred like, was going to have resistance. I know. It That's the thing. It's like you just keep thinking, like, oh crap, I got a FOMO in right now. I got a FOMO in right now. I got a FOMO in right now. Uh, that was the four-hour candles on a daily basis. Josh, we've had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. This is the seventh green Ethereum candle on a daily basis against Bitcoin in a row. Uh, six on top of the 200-day moving average. And that that is a place where it's just priming for a two- or three-day drill down to get out those late longs and then continue the journey. So it's like I want to be a buyer. I am not. I'm. Not, I'm no Ethereum buyer here. 
Yeah, and I don't want people to think like, oh, this salty maxi guy just like trying to get Ethereum to zero. Like, no, it's just like tech. The tech just doesn't add up with the on-chain stuff. Even if we look at DeFi, I, uh, I still think there's a magnet to the upside. 0.025 uh, from the prior breakdown. Yeah, for ETH BTC. But if you look at the DeFi locked value, it's at one billion, sure. But ETH locked in DeFi is has plateaued over the past couple weeks here. So again, there's like no. There's no reason for any of this to happen. I don't think it matters. The reason it needs to happen is because there has not been a good Ethereum pump uh, since January 20, February 2018 when it topped. There's been no real good Ethereum pump ever since. No real good move above the 200-day moving average. We we have, in my mind, made a very convincing move above the 200-day so Mm -hmm. that I want to be a dip buyer on ethereum and we talked a couple weeks ago we were like hey ethereum's in no man's land it wasn't that it meant that it was just going to break down imminently it just wasn't in the same zone as other altcoins and it has lagged other altcoins now that it's not lagging that means it's time to pay attention for some snapback potential uh but maybe after another 20 percent up i don't know um yeah, I mean, we were we went from talking about a daily bear div last pod to RSI canceling that div. Our daily RSI is at eighty two now. It still hasn't even had its daily um, golden cross on the fifty two hundred. Yeah, like the cloud is the cloud wants a twenty five percent pullback. That's how insane this move has been. <laughs> yeah, it all blew back quite nicely, um, and uh, or blew upward quite nicely. Yeah, it just keeps melting up. Uh, BTC, I feel like similar to Ethereum, except not near as strong, like kind of where Ethereum maybe was last week, uh, looking like it's printing a bear div. It's that 9,900 level right under where we broke down last fall. Um, Bitcoin looks prime for a drawdown too. Everyone wants that though. Maybe they won't get it (laughs) because it's one where... You know, we talked last week, you t- you pointed out 8,500. I was talking about 88 to 9K. Everybody's got their level where they're like, yeah, I want to be a buyer of this. Uh, I think that dip will get bought strongly. I don't well, know. I don't I don't know where. But if, it, if Bitcoin dips, it'll get bought strongly. What will be interesting is if it blows out the bear div, if it, you know, just blows the top side out of this trend. Uh, in that case, I my target's 11.5. I did a video on on YouTube where I've been posting more. Uh, showing why I think 11.5 is our next logical target because that's a prior weekly high from last fall that I was seeking. Yeah, do you, so, think, you think we get that dip or no? Well, I do think we have a rising wedge in the making here and a few people have pointed that out. Um, I, there's definitely a bear div on BTC more so than ETH. This, is, this would be the third drive with a lower RSI on the daily. Um, Cloud wants a 16% pullback on BTC. This is also the G scam candle pump resistance level at like 910K. Yeah, right where we topped back then. We're at 9,900. I guess we wicked all the way to 10.6, which actually that's, that's amazing that that's $500. Well, that's on BitMEX, so that doesn't necessarily count. So you said uh, you, want, you want 11K? I don't really see the. 11.5 is a horizontal weekly close from. August 5th, 2019-ish. There was a weekly close at 11.5. We double-topped on the weekly in July and in August of 2019. 
both of those are around 11.5 on the weekly closes. And that's where, that's my like tap target for on a weekly, uh, weekly basis. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I, I don't think we're going to shoot through 10. I really don't, especially with that June, July, August, September consolidation we had. Like there's a lot of people trapped in there that are going to want to sell at break even on the way up. There's a lot of people trapped from the 910 kg thing that are going to want to sell on the way up. If we shoot through 10, we're going to 11.5. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, if we shoot through 10, we probably go to 15, like honestly. Yeah, it's... but I'm saying 11.5 like with quick, with with speed. Uh, my, my concern is just like ETH, the more we go up, the more insane the drawdown is going to be. Like <laughs> it's going to be big. So a I lot of people, there's just going to be a margin cascade. It's going to get ugly. There's going to be headlines. Like all this I think is that's good. What we already ran into that. I, that's why I was, I didn't like going to 14 K last time because I was like, we're going to have to have a deeper drawdown. You know, normally in a bull market, you and I have both talked about how, Hey, you look for these, 35 to 50% drawdowns. Well, we went from 14K to 63, uh, 63.60 or so. Like we we retraced, I think, over 50% of the move top to bottom. And it was not the easiest. We went below the 200 day moving average. We went below the cloud. We went, we turned full bear. We went, we went a uh, temporary bear market. Uh, what was the key there was when we started seeing that head and shoulders type of thing, that first higher low. We were seeing an unwillingness to break down even further, but we had to be prepared for that. And I think all of that was a result of having gone up too fast in the first place back last summer. Um, so I agree. That's the risk that we run here is if we blast through whatever drawdown we get off of it, it would be severe. Um, we could get pretty high though before we did that. So I'm with you. Like if we go back down in range, even between say like 82 and 9K, that wouldn't hurt my feelings in the slightest. Like that's kind of a reaccumulation type of zone to yeah, me. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I was just going to say eight seven would be like the fifty percent breakdown of this rising wedge on BTC. But yeah, yeah. I think I think at least between now and having, we're going to see um, eight five at the very minimum again. Yeah. To me, when I talk about eight two and eight five, what I described in my previous video was those are those are wick zones for me. I really want to yeah. see. I really want to see candle bodies be bought higher than that, but like I could see wicks go into 82 to 85. Yeah. There's and I think we're, lots of stuff there. There's the 20 week moving average. There's the cloud top. There's the, you know, a lot of those things that are those bullish like trend flip and then go confirm real quick type of type of levels. That's what the stuff I see down there. And I think what people kind of forget at least, or don't think about when you're newer, a newer trader is, you know, the faster we go up, the more quicker people are in profit and the quicker people want to get rid of that position. Just like the Tesla thing. It's the same thing. Like if you're up two, 300% in a week, are you going to keep holding? Like any, any smart person is probably going to say, okay, I'm going to take some off here at the very least. Right. <laughs> so, so if, if Ethereum is up like what, 61% since January or something. Like, it's a lot, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, it had like a, uh, you know, eight month bear market, and it it needed some up. But at the same time, it's like people are going to start taking profit. Um, I'm already seeing ICO treasuries um, increasing their spends as far as on chain to um, uh, exchanges. So at, at some point, you know, the selling pressure is going to take over, and this is going to roll over. 
And uh, then there's going to be a margin cascade. You know, after that is when I want to get in the market, like at a leveraged position. I don't like what I see now from a leveraged, leveraged position perspective. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I'm yeah. much more interested in altcoins from a, you know, gaining more Bitcoin. To me, if it's, if it's Bitcoin, I either want to be holding Bitcoin or be prepared to buy a dip on Bitcoin. I don't want to be just riding the train at the moment. Right. Like I'm happy holding spot and that's what I've been doing um, since mid-January. I've been out of leverage basically. So I've kind of missed all of this stuff from a leverage perspective, but I don't know. I'm still I'm making money, right? So <laughs> yeah, like I should, I feel like I should be doing better just because of how insane this market is. But at the same time, I'm just like, I, I really can't get on, on board with this, uh, with like opening a massive leverage position just because we could drop 20% in a heartbeat. Like, and it wouldn't surprise me, you know? Yep. I was, uh, I was trying to play it cautious back when we first tapped, we tapped the 200 day, came back to the 20 and I was trying to buy like 84 or 8,500 and I actually stopped out below the 20. So I've missed this. I missed from 82 to, uh, 98 on a leverage position as well. And I should have bought as soon as it recaptured known that we were going to get more out of it. But yeah, so I didn't capture much in that either. Which leaves me looking for uh, potential altcoin positions because I'm sure as heck not buying it right now. Like for me to say I want to get in on Bitcoin on margin, I don't even know what it would be. It would it'd be tough. It'd, it'd even be tough for me to to try to snag a some kind of stop market going through 10k, 10.5. Be really tough. I'd just be afraid I was going to get wicked. You know. Yeah, um, I mean, I like I like bids it. Eight five or lower on leverage position, you know. But Josh, if everybody wants that dip to get in, then do they get it? I feel like Nomad right now, but yeah, no. I was somebody else I was talking to was talking about that. Like everyone's been waiting for a dip to buy, and there hasn't been one, and we just keep melting up. I'm still confident that the trend is super early, and we're going to get a massive pullback. And another reason we I believe this is because Bitmex OI is still above a billion. It's been above a billion for maybe two weeks now maybe a little less than that uh, yeah that's, which always that's, is insinuating that we're going to get something severe that's like you know stocking dynamite in the cellar and after a while if you stock enough dynamite something's going to happen <laughs> and there's going to be <laughs> there's going to be a leveraged um cat margin cascade one way or the other at some point you know uh i i don't have the chart right in front of me but this rising wedge on the four hour into 10K reminds me so much of either the first or second time we were at 10K in 2017. You remember that? Like around oct- maybe like October 2017. Um, and let's see. Yeah. In- yeah. I mean, there are going to be people like there always are like so, telling me that rising wedges are bullish, but I, I'm just not in that camp at all. I'm not either, but I I know that when we busted through, uh, yeah, it, it there was a daily wick about November 29th, 2017, and it was the result of some kind of rising wedge that we had on the mid time frames. I mean, it's parabolic on the daily, but we like busted through to the top side, went you know, fifteen hundred dollars, and then we went all the way down it to the downside to eighty eight hundred, and then ricocheted all over the place and. That's what happens when you get massive o- open interest 
a tight consolidation, especially like a bearish pattern like that, where, you know, people want to get in like the rocket up, rocket down, totally, totally within the realm of possibility. in, in my opinion. Yeah. In 2017, saw a lot of political stuff like for BTC specifically, you know, with like Segwit2x and Bitcoin Cash and all this other stuff. I don't, there's nothing really, you know, rumbling for me in the background um, for BTC right now, right? Like it's all just macro, like coronavirus and QE and like, you know, external stuff. It's not like crypto related specifically that I can see anyway. Yeah, the whole the whole conversation around Bitcoin so far this time versus uh, 2017 is so different. Like, it was about scaling, transactional usage, and all this stuff back then. And now it's the macro equation. Nobody even talks about really the on chain usage or the layer two usage. I know they do talk about it, but it's not a big part of the trading, like the valuation landscape, rather. Crypto moves quickly, and it's important that we keep up. We need enhanced tools to deliver quick insights, snapshots of our asset positions, the latest news and flexibility for tracking our portfolios, whether it's a personal portfolio, a fund, a bot, or all of the above. BNC Pro helps you with all of it. Trades auto-update from your linked exchanges, saving you time and ensuring accuracy. You can tag and filter your holdings to suit your strategy, and you can even create custom holdings, whether they're through OTC exchanges or brand new assets uh, that aren't even on the market yet, which is really cool. BNC Pro is the terminal-like experience you've always wanted, and now it's at your fingertips. Try BNC Pro today at ledgerstatus.com BNC, and thanks so much for the team at Brave New Coin for being Ledger Status Partner. Uh, yeah, well, unlike unlike ETH, active addresses for BTC have picked up over the past two weeks. So that, yeah, from, you have like this... even the even the legacy people like they love that metric. So uh, they're Is definitely this your paying attention. Age distribution thing? Uh, no, so that's that's something else. Um, okay, so active addresses just means people are are there's the coins moving, right? Right, coins moving. How many per day? Basically, just just how many addresses see coins coming in and out of them per day. You have um, another chart that's an age distribution chart. Uh, can you describe kind of what's going on there? Yeah, talking about like super nerdy blockchain stuff, but because it's a blockchain and the ledger has timestamps for everything, you can see exactly when all these coins moved. So you can you can date them, you can age them. It's like what is that? Um, where they look at the rock and they see the layers of um, like. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's not carbon dating. It's like some paleological term. Anyway, yeah, uh, but yeah, you, so you can see how many coins have moved over the past five years, one year, three months, whatever, and you can like make these groupings and and make this chart. And the current distribution of ages for the coins matches correlates with the 2016 pre having stuff, which is it, to me is super bullish. When you say it correlates, it's because a lot of coins have not moved right so so i read it as like a lot of coins are aging into the year or or more sort of dormancy um so if you look at the chart we'll post it somewhere but um the cooler colors (laughs) sure (laughs) the cooler colors means it hasn't moved in a while and the warm colors means stuff has moved recently and if you look at the just the bubble highs the the previous all-time high levels coins start moving Coins move a lot in those, you know, as people are moving to exchanges or they're taking profit or whatever. So that's how to I give would a, read that. To give a visual representation for our podcast listeners, yeah. it kind of looks like a blue sky 
with like <laughs> lava waves, right? So it's like think of the ocean as like these yellow and orange lava waves and the peaks of the waves align with the peaks of Bitcoin itself. So when Bitcoin was 18, 20K, coins were moving because people were basically sending them somewhere to sell them for the first time in quite a while. So with the with the blue being uh, more of a valley, it means like more more coins have not been moving. Basically, people have been unwilling to send them to an exchange or whatever to to for the sake of selling, right? Right. And you could argue this is more related to like the new cold storage type stuff we have or whatever. I don't know. But just looking at it in a vacuum, the the picture paints the same picture. Like there are very few coins moving overall over the past year. Like something like seven point two million coins. It's basically all that's that's been moving, which is like nothing really. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, again, this is another like long term bullish thing, and I'll be watching this as we start perking up. If we start perking up over the next three to six months, to see, you know, are people starting to sell? Are people starting continuing to hold that sort of thing? It's just an interesting thing to watch. Speaking of a lot of coins, you have a note about forty thousand uh, Bitcoin in an auction. What's the what's the story there? I don't know anything about it. Yeah, I don't actually know where the coins came from, but the U.S. Marshals are auctioning off forty uh, k BTC, which is quite a bit nominally, right? Yeah. So when uh, how do the coin analysis people treat those? So like obviously, or you know, you would think that those were illicit. Bitcoins before if they're now being auctioned off by authorities. So is there like a a scrub that's done on those coins so that exchanges know like, oh, these have been fairly auctioned and they're clean coins now? I mean, they're always going to be tainted unless they go through a, you know, washer and or an exchange because that's the ultimate mixer. (laughs) Once they're on an exchange wallet balance and they come out of the exchange wallet balance, like that's effectively a mixer. That's what Um, I'm wondering if these, if some of these authorities though, if they can, when they auction coins, like is there communication happening between addresses where auctions are happening from an authority to whoever buys them so that like they get, they in effect get cleaned up just by that being known. Like there's got... These exchanges all have communications with like, I don't know, chain analysis or somebody that's in the middle. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. Okay, so it's not 40,000, it's 4,000. But uh, even still, that's a lot nominally. Um, Yeah, I'm sure there's there's people talking back and forth and there's background chain analysis stuff. But again, like if it goes in and out of an exchange, then all right, it's it's good to go. Especially a non-KYC exchange like like BitMEX or something. But the the odds are pretty high that if you're depositing that amount of coin into BitMEX, you're going to get KYC, mandatory KYC on that. Yeah. Well, 4,000 um, coins isn't as impressive to me. Joe007 has that in his active PL <laughs> on Bitfinex. Yeah, I don't know what that guy's up to. I don't he's, know, man. His, he's just getting, he's, he's getting more and more defiant as he's getting more and more wrong. So if anything, that's... That's one knock against a uh, massive pullback, but it'll save him if we do get a massive pullback. Yeah, I do think uh, I have a feeling Joe will be realizing some of his positions if we get a drawdown sub 9K, uh, if he has any sanity whatsoever. So 
I, yeah, I mean, well, I can't he's imagine for... somebody with his level of exposure. I can't imagine that he doesn't have like other coins essentially to be able to use as his own collateral or whatever. I don't know. My buddy uh, Johnny Mo, he uses tensor charts a lot, and he's just been watching these coins on Bitfinex in these solid yellow lines, which means there's a lot for a lot on the order book just getting eaten through. And I just think it's Joe selling his uh, spot positions and adjusting his collateral on Bitfinex from BTC to USD trying to like force the market down. So it goes into the whole theory. Like if, if people are unsuccessful pushing it down, you just blast right through it, screw, you know, like and it, and it hurts somebody like Joe who's caught net short or are they going to get, get the victory and, you know, they get their thousand dollar down move to escape their very public short. Like he, he is short. He, I don't know what he, what, how many coins he's short, but he's down 20 something million dollars you know like yeah he's um the risk reward for him acting as like a lone wolf whale is yeah, high not definitely good. high but not good he's People, so far gotta have a target on his back like somebody has to enjoy the fact of just saying uh hey joe sorry bud i'm pushing this baby forward you know well you're not going to margin call him on a 5x margin that's just not going to happen but you can definitely hurt him a lot and make him capitulate, which I also don't think is going to happen just based on his attitude and the fact that he's down 20 million and not worried about it, uh, at least physically. He's still just uh, talking the same on Twitter and stuff, which makes me think he, he must. Uh, so my, my actual theory, this is totally uh, non-supported. I just think it's Cobain. I think it's Cobain's uh, alternative identity. Like he's one of the only people I know that just, trades uh has publicly traded bitfinex with extreme size and uh yeah so my theory is that joe 007 is cobain's uh alternative identity and he's just being ridiculous i don't think so the way the tweets read it's it doesn't read like cobain's tweets to me but what do i know Um, i don't know either that's just flagrant uh rumor mill absolutely no proof I would love it for to be for it to be Cobain though. I'll put it that way. I'd thoroughly enjoy that. I, I doubt it is personally, but you never know. There's a couple of uh Ethereum things of note. Uh Ethereum 2.0 Bay Zero is in July. I feel like every time we talk about dates for Ethereum stuff, it's just further away. It's just like some some date in the future, something with Ethereum is happening. Is this one real or is it trash? Is it just another fake date? I mean, I won't believe it until it's on the chain and it happens. But that's they said 95% sure that it's going to be in <laughs> July. <laughs> it reminds me of my uh, my 33K by July. <laughs> phase, phase zero by July. Um, I don't know. They're going to need something because with all, all the swirling nonsense going on with Ethereum, like what they don't have is staking. And that's what a lot of other new projects have. And even though I think staking is garbage, like people who are investing in this stuff They're don't necessarily it. think that. So I mean look at look at Tezos. So look at Tezos. Uh yeah, the right. DeFi it, the, the DeFi narrative has ramped up super hard over the past few weeks. Um, at least what I've noticed anyway. Um, yeah, it's, so. it seems so. I wanna I wanna talk about alts and Tezos in a minute, but First, one more Ethereum-ish thing. Consensus, the Ethereum-based company, 
they're downsizing and they're dividing between, I guess, their trading units and their other whatever their business units are, like smart contracts, developers, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't remember if this was a rumor or what, but uh, the rumor was that they were having a hard time raising money from people if the trading unit was a part of the other side of the business. I guess they didn't want like to raise money that you can trade with. They wanted to, you know, investors wanted to invest money that was part of the business side of things, right? Yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me. I mean, the, the more coin consensus doesn't exist, I think the better for Ethereum because then it's more decentralized and yeah. there's no like one entity like controlling everything. You know, people talk about Blockstream and conspiracies and the North Koreans and things like that. But like to me, consensus looks even worse on paper than Blockstream does by far, you know, just yeah. from a like centralization perspective. Yeah. Anytime you uh, de-emphasize some of those companies, it's good for the overall community of or ecosystem, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then Justin Sun finally had his dinner with Warren Buffett. Uh it looks like Charlie Lee, uh, Yanni from eToro, maybe a couple a couple other people went. Somebody from Binance. Yeah, do I mean, I any, wonder. Do you, do you care at all? No, I, I don't. But <laughs> imagine, <laughs> imagine being the fly on the wall at that at that thing. Yeah, like, I, I just feel like it just would have been super awkward the whole time. <laughs> like Buffett probably doesn't want to be there, and he obviously has to be because you know it was the auction for the lunch or whatever. You know, I don't know. I just don't see them convincing him about anything or him wanting to really sincerely discuss anything. And you know, it's Justin Sun. So I have I, tremendous I respect for Warren Buffett. Tremendous respect, but he's an old man. Like. Yeah. Why does he want to have any interest in crypto, much less these ridiculous uh, altcoins of dubious value? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's you know good for him. But. The TRX <laughs> fan base, the TRX fan base liked it. It went up on non news. Yeah, but we had even, we had talked about it the, the week before last pod yeah. about how you liked TRX and how I thought it looked good, but I wasn't going to buy it. So it went it up immediately. Yeah, it's definitely it. the right time. Like, you know, news plus chart equals pumperoni, basically what happened. Pumperoni. Yeah, yeah, well, why don't we dig into alts? Because I said I had homework. I did my homework. I made minimal actions, but I did take some, <laughs> I did do some stuff. So we can talk about what we've been doing, we'll talk about what we've been trading. Uh, let's start with your altcoin fund, which you've been public about on the show. As a reminder, what did you do? 10 altcoins to start and you spread out the amount that you invested amongst them and then you've rolled them over as they've hit a double, right? Yeah, so it was between 10 and 12. I can't remember at this point, but um, initially I'd, sense, I'd set some rules for myself. Like if if there is a double, if there's 100%, um, a 2x on anything, I'm going to take the money off roll it into something else because then at the very least you're just free rolling the position. So that's where you want to be, I think. Um, as yeah. far as any, you know, trading anything, but specifically like alts, just like a buy and hold strategy. So yeah, that happened with Zcash of all of all coins first. So that was I good. I mean, what percentage of traders ever have pulled a double on Zcash relative to BTC? <laughs> but, you, but you know who has is someone who <laughs> dislikes Zcash with uh Sign to a significant degree 
Josh Olswich. I mean, I haven't yanked, yanked a double on old Zcash relative to Bitcoin. Well done. Well done. I still uh, am very impressed. So you did that and then you rolled it into ADA and you pulled a double in ADA, right? Yeah, it's at like 94% up right now. Um, Amazing. So the question is like, what do I take out? What do I put into it? Do I just hold cash? Do I, you know, ideally I roll it into BTC after BTC dumps. You know, I think like, if I can roll 10k into BTC with 10 to 12 all positions still open cool. free into free roll like that that's the dream right <laughs> yeah um let's see so so wait, then, wait. do so you have the, any the, losers on the portfolio still or no uh I think algo so algo is still down 3% but everything else is up loom was my recommendation which was down by like 20 25% but now it's like looking like it wants to just blast off it's uh, already up 30, 40% from the bottom, but it's like hovering right under the 200 day. I want to buy this like right this moment. I don't know why I'm not buying it right this moment. So my, um, just one last thing about this, the, the USD PNL is plus 45%. The BTC PNL is plus 10%. A lot of people are giving me crap about pay attention to USD versus whatever, or, you know, pre having blah, 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 blah. What uh, what date? Do you remember what date you uh, started this on? I think it was December 9th. Oof. All right, yeah, December 9th. I'm in trouble then because I was going to compare. Like I was talking to you about my strategy of trying to centralize my plays. Uh, and the altcoin ENG that I've been in since then is down 29% since December 9th <laughs> relative to BTC. <laughs> it's been sideways or like in this, I don't know, falling wedge thing on the dollar. Uh, so props to you because my my strategy sucked. It was down as much as 42% since December 9th. So it's actually up a little bit in response, starting to recover, starting to look good again. Uh, but I just bled in my altcoin exposure while you and everyone else in the world was making buckets of money. Um, I, I um, go ahead. I finally made my uh my first uh bit of exposure into altcoin land since then, which was to uh, buy ZRX. I had talked about it on the podcast several times that I was looking and whatnot, and I finally bought it as it was in my mind confirming that 200 day moving average confirming a break of a falling wedge it still doesn't really have the volume behind it but uh i like the look i think the volume shall come it's in that mid cap zone of like you know the type of thing that tends to trail some of these larger caps that have been moving so i yeah, feel I okay a, about it i have an alert for 33 cents on zrx and i think that's the w on the usd pair yeah um, yeah yeah it does have something like that the USD pair is ready for a golden cross as well. And the daily 33 cents, I think, is a, a VPVR horizontal level as well. As far as like that's the last line of resistance before. Yeah. It, so it I don't higher. know why. I'm usually not gun shy uh, with altcoins, but I've been gun shy or maybe, uh, maybe lazy. I don't know which. Um, but that's been that's been my thing. Uh, but I like. I like the look of ZRX. Uh, you know, ENG totally broke down, but actually, if it can recover, basically where it is now, uh, forty four hundred or whatever, 
then it starts to look okay again too. Um, we talked about ADA before and ADA is starting to look stretched to me. Um, I mean, it can break up from, it's under a resistance basically. It's not where I want to be buying a brand new position. I'd put it that way. Yeah, no, I agree. Just looking at it now, it's also headed for a golden cross, but it looks way overbought. Um, yeah. you know, it looks like, it looks like BTC and ETH where it just needs like a massive correction before thinking about entering anything. Yeah. Um, you and I had debated whether BNB or ZRX uh, looked better. Uh, BNB looks like it's had a little better response between the two of them so far. Um, it broke a diagonal. It's back above the 200-day moving average. Um, my old short thesis, I would be out of it by now. I would have, I probably would have been out of it a while back when it was nicely in profit in the downtrend. But now that alts are showing strength and uh, – no one's showing any reason to not trade on Binance still. So uh, I think Binance is poised to do well. There's a volume breakout on BNB BTC. Everything about BNB looks pretty good to me right now. I would be, I'm very interested in BNB longs and I would be seeking prior highs, which let's see, even if you bought it, just market bought it right now, a few percent over the 200 day moving average. To prior highs, you're looking at over 110%. Wow, it had a massive. I was just looking at BNB over these past two days because that was going to be yeah. one of the coins I've rolled into the uh, from the ADA um, free roll. And yeah, it had a massive move up these uh, couple of days. And you know, people can give me a hard time about the 20 day or 20 week moving average, but if you do uh, BNB BTC against the 20 week, it told you exactly when to sell and it told you exactly when to buy and it's telling you to buy. Uh, it's actually just a gigantic weekly on it right now, but it gave you the breakdown. It gave you the purchase area. It gave you everything you need. What what more can you want? You just need one line on your chart. Yeah, I don't know why the, I don't own BNB right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's above the cloud. It's above the 200. Uh, it looks good. It looks really good. It looks the best it's looked since June, August, uh, or June, uh, May, May, June. The best it's uh, looked since I called the top. <laughs> the other, yeah. The other thing I was thinking about with, uh, BNB is if, if this is like a, a multi-month bull market for alts, um, BNB should do well just yeah, their volume. based on that, you know, like just based on volume. Yeah. And people will be holding it in order to get lower fees on Binance, which is where it's traded. Lots right. of really lots of really good reasons to be bullish BNB if alt's going to have a move. You had mentioned Coinbase had record volume or like not record, but uh, it finally stopped going down. <laughs> it, yeah, a breakout it had a volume breakout from a downtrend that was like a year plus long, right? Yeah, which it, you know, if anything, there's two things that are like super bullish for crypto: it's transactions or active addresses on chain and exchange volumes. As long as those are up or rising instead of down or falling. That's just generally bullish across the board. Um, okay, so I want to talk about the most bullish chart in crypto. <laughs> uh, I did a video on Link. Um, I've paid attention to Link, like before the Marines get on me again. <laughs> I know what I know what Link is. I read Josh's articles. He wrote about Chain Link back in November. I've been following it since before then. Uh, I laughed when the developers dumped on you back in June, uh, which caused its retrace. 
Mm-hmm. I've been following along. My point was none of that. My point was the lifetime history of Link BTC on a weekly basis. It d- has not yet had like a big significant dump like most altcoins have, where they have these, you know, big sine wave types of market cycles of ups and downs, accumulation ranges. It's trading a lot more like I would envision like some hot NASDAQ stock where it's just in the steady uptrend and consistently getting dips bought. And what I'm seeing now is it reminds me a lot of the Ethereum ascending triangle from 2017, where it's got essentially a six, maybe seven month, uh, consolidation pattern without a new high but with higher lows creating this tri- uh, you know the triangle cup and handle I don't care what you call it it's it's consolid- bullish consolidation and it looks to me like if it can break up uh really above 34 35k satoshis uh it looks like it's got a move up to 50 to 60k satoshis uh, relative to BTC, and it looks extraordinarily bullish uh, relative to BTC. The USD chart already broke out, but I don't think it's in price discovery yet. No, it hadn't quite made a new high, but it's probably going to this next week. Uh, above 340 on a weekly close would be a new high. It wicked all the way to 458 last time. That looks like it could just go bazingas, five, six bucks. I don't know. It looks really good. That's all I was trying to say about Link, but it's one of the most bullish charts I've seen. I I don't know how much room it can actually go, like if it's eventually just going to dump and distribute and do the same thing every other altcoin's ever done. In this current market, though, strength like that, very attractive. I should have bought it uh, three, four weeks ago, but I'm looking at it now, looking for this range breakout to potentially trade. What do you think about that, Josh? Yeah, I'm just looking at... um... It reminds me a lot of uh, XTZ Tezos. Mm. I was looking at, I was looking through all the pairs. So like Link USD, Link BTC, even Link ETH. Like it's surprisingly kept up with uh, the ETH moves. It's just kind of sideways on the Link ETH pair. But yeah, this uh, is a massive daily. Uh, you're right, ascending triangle on the Link BTC, just like um, uh, Link or uh, sorry, ETH ETH USD. Like you said in 2017, yeah. I mean, it's that it's that size. Like you just, I remember trading that back then. I was just like, I don't, I don't know. I just got to get in. Like I'll average in over the course of a week. It doesn't matter. Like I just, it's a high confidence pattern. Looks great, and I feel like I need to need to get in there. Um, you it, mentioned um, you mentioned Tezos. The USD chart on Tezos just broke its listing high over about 188, and it's already at 221 looks like it's ripe for price discovery although it does have some baggage with uh OTC sales, ICO sales, things like that. Uh the BTC pair was kind of in no man's land and now it's really up towards like looking to make uh new weekly highs but new listing highs are over like 25 26k. Yeah, so uh, Tezos looks ready for price discovery on the BTC pair. It's already in price discovery on the USD pair. If you're looking to buy strength, Link and Tezos seem to me like the ones. Uh, If you're looking to buy breakouts, then some of those others that we've talked about. Yeah, I think for me, the most bullish chart is uh, ETH BTC and probably BNB. 
just yeah, watching B&B that B&B watching that move really strong today. um eth btc that adam and eve is so textbook like oh man it is on the weekly and it's it, by the way the keijin is at 0.029 basically on a weekly basis which is let's see from current it's another 25 26% relative to bitcoin um the issue I have with buying it right now is I see less of a pullback on BTC USD than I do ETH USD. So I think it's a better buy after we get our pullback, which is it's gonna happen. It's gotta happen. Like 20, 20 to 25% on ETH. Well, I'll hedge my bets and say 10 to 25, but um Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not even hedged right now, but, <laughs> but <laughs> I wanna be, you know. I'm like it's to the point where I'm scared how fast it's going up, you know? Yeah. Uh, so as bullish agree. as I am ETH BTC, like I don't think it's going to outperform in the near term. I just think after after we get our pullback, it'll perform. Uh, and another big cap, whatever, it's really lost a lot of flavor maybe over the past couple of years, but Litecoin, full bull, cloud, bullish moving averages, flipped uh, prior resistances made a higher high. It's another one where seeking a purchase on a pullback back to 0.007. It's at 0.0075 right now. However, it's consolidating, looking like it doesn't want to pull back. Looks like it wants to go to like point like straight up 0.008009. LTC looks really good. Everything looks good. We started the show. Everything looks bullish. The question is, what are your entries and where do you choose to play? Um, right. I think like your, if your time horizon is six months plus, you just start DCAing. Just, just start dollar cost averaging in. Yeah. Looking for looking for your entries. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, I was just looking at uh, XRP USD. Like this, the market is so bullish crypto wide that even XRP is coming out of its 800 day bear market. Yeah. Yeah. If anything, I would say my... Hesitation on large caps is unwarranted. There still looks like some moves on large caps, but they do need those pullbacks first. So, yeah, I think at this point there's probably less upside than potential downside. I think that's fair to say. Would you agree? Yeah. With that? Whereas I think the mid caps, most of the mid caps, like they've made their first moves and they're like just in their breakout ranges now. So, and I've always been kind of naturally drawn to mid caps for better or worse, I guess. Um, but pretty much all the ones we've talked about over the past several weeks like look freaking fantastic. Like I'm just kind of checking back over this random watch list that we've been covering, even down to like Raven. I think yeah, that I was, range I was just we talked God to that range we talked about on Raven. I think it's up like fifty or sixty percent since then. I didn't do a thing with it. I hope our listeners are taking advantage of stuff we're talking about because the three people who listen. <laughs> <laughs> There's more than three. Yeah, I mean, that um, Raven chart, Raven BTC, wow. I haven't looked at that other than being so in, in the fund that I have. Um, yeah, it looks really good. Um, yeah, so I think the rotation is important. If what you're saying is for real, and Josh, like you calling out season, I mean, it's just amazing. Like people that don't know Josh well enough, like he does not like these things, but he has learned that he will trade them. And there's a big difference between these two things. You got to be willing to trade the chart. If we've talked about anything on this podcast, it's that, you know, price is king, trade the freaking chart, ignore the noise. And we're seeing bullish action. 
That does not mean it can't pull back, but we're seeing seriously bullish opportunities. You know, I've been on this uh, YouTube video kick trying to do these little five, 10 minute videos. First one I did said, it's time to pay attention to crypto, even the people that got burned, et cetera. Uh, it was a PSA of sorts for me and a message I need for myself to like not be complacent in what I'm doing and and pay pay closer attention, be ready to trade lower time frames, mid time frames, catch these pumps, uh, take my profits, roll them, all that good stuff. That's the type of stuff that you need to do sometimes in these markets. And if it's a real turnaround, then it's uh, we're not we're just seeing the beginnings of some of the potential on some of these. Uh, it won't be in every coin. It wasn't in every coin last time, but we're there's real potential out there. Yeah, and I think um, like the ETH weekly chart, the targets are starting have been stupid for a while, just because the you know the ETH weekly chart looks like 2015 BTC weekly chart. In that there's this massive edge to edge cloud opportunity that's. Sounds insane, like 750 ETH sounds insane. But if the tech starts to line up, even though I don't believe fundamentally ETH is ready for 750, that's where that's where it's headed. <laughs> like, and that could be this year. I don't think it'll be this year, but it just might be like Q4 this year, 750 ETH, you know? Shout out for the weekly Ethereum USD. It tapped the weekly Keijin mm-hmm. on the on to the penny. Uh, which is scary (laughs) it's been that level's been there since september yeah it's had one two three four five six seven this is the seventh green week in a row to get there um so it's not it's it's in a tough spot like we're trying to tell you we're bullish like we've seen trend flips but it doesn't we're not trying to say like buy right this moment it depends on your risk profile it depends on what you consider a tolerable drawdown before upward movement your ability to cost average like all these things play into this we're not we're, you know we're not saying we're going to market buy everything today yeah i would love tr- to see um like a weekly pattern on the eth like a ascending triangle on the weekly chart would be great uh, I think 300 to 350 is going to be a massive level. It's going to be a real fight at that level, even if it's in the cloud on the weekly. Prior weekly this... high, 308. Uh, if you remember our 333 by May, that we <laughs> yeah. nailed that yeah. literally nailed the top of the cycle uh, of Ethereum when that happened. I think it maybe had a div leg after that, but 308 was the uh, was the weekly top and that is the edge of the weekly cloud now if it did it like next week you know if it went up 100 bucks next week that would hit right at that prior high right into the weekly cloud so we could just blast past this key and go 100 bucks and then calm down i don't know uh real it's really tough but it's uh on the whole like there's there's a lot of a lot of positive movement in this market yeah my body is ready brian your body is ready. <laughs> my, body, my body is ready to buy some pullback. Even on the daily ETH chart, there's that parabolic uh, banana thing going on. So it just looks, I don't know, just super cautious here on the daily, on everything. Yeah. You know? yeah. ETC was kind of the first mover or one of the first movers. And even that's sort of started to cool off. It's got a bit of a ascending triangle vibe sort of building here. If I remember correctly, that's sometimes when BNB really moved well too before is like as a pullback was near, people were kind of taking their profits back to BNB. 
a lot of BNB activity. So maybe BNB having this lagging upside is also a sign of looking for that first dip. Uh, past guest, friend of the show, Sicarius, uh, used to always say he kept 25% on the sidelines to be prepared to buy the dips like we're talking about right now. So like that way he was exposed to the market still because, you know, all the bullish, all the bullish macro stuff. But then as he was finding profits, he would start stashing some away and have 25% to buy the dips when they came. I think that's probably a wise way to play something like this. Yeah. The more I look at the charts today, the more I am saying to myself, I shouldn't be as exposed as I am. Uh, Yeah. Because you want exposure, but maybe not like big exposure. And certainly in my mind, not margin exposure. Yeah, definitely not. And I just don't want to wake up to, you know, a 10% down candle because that's what I think minimum is we're going to see just across the board, just a really bloody, bloody, like a bloody Valentine's Day is possible. Uh, And one final uh, nail on, on this point, Bitcoin dominance has just had its one, two, three, four, five, seventh day in a row. So the same number of updates that Ethereum had. Bitcoin dominance looks like it's creating a capitulatory wick right now. Um, so yeah, that's something to be aware of. Meaning altcoins could all draw down relative to Bitcoin. That would probably occur at the same time Bitcoin is just getting volatile one direction or the other as much as bullish or bearish. Like Bitcoin volatility is probably very near. That will probably not be a good thing for altcoins at least for the near term, for a few days. Right. Like we were talking about ETH BTC, like ETH should outperform BTC to the downside. So it should, you know, draw back more than BTC, I think. Yeah. However, the move off on Bitcoin dominance that we talked about big time in the show last week was strong. Like, I mean, it's just melted since then, the whole week. So shout out to us. Another thing I was talking about with the dominance is it's it's the lowest it's been below the 200-day moving average since uh, June 2018. So like that's that's how strong these all moves have been. Yeah, I mean it's a it was a breakdown, a flag, a breakdown. So second wave, I guess, of moves here. So some consolidation before a third wave down. Totally within realm of of possibilities for me. Yeah. Josh, what have you been writing? Uh, what I read about Neo, which there's like virtually no on-chain activity. It's super centralized, but the chart looks really good. <laughs> <laughs> so play that as you will. Uh, what was the other couple I wrote about? Uh, Nem. Nem. Nem's like transitioning to Nem 2.0 this year, and Dev activity's hot. The I chain don't even activity. know what that is. I know it's a big coin. I just don't know anything about it. Asia it's stuff. an old. Uh, yeah, kind of Asia stuff, Japan, China. Um, it's an older Japan, Korea, I should say. Mm. It's an older coin. It's one of the earlier altcoins. It's got a lot of chart history. So yeah, they're rebranding NEM 2.0. They're like introducing a bunch of new stuff that, uh, the first chain didn't have. They're going to have coin migration. Like it's going to be a whole thing. It's been a while since I got hyped by a coin rebrand. Yeah. I mean, I'm not like... Super bullish on any of that stuff, but again, the chart looks really good. <laughs> yeah, and then EOS was your other one. And then EOS, also, same story. Again, like it's super centralized, but the chart looks really good. But 
on-chain stuff, they're having a lot of issues. Like the voice thing that they were going to launch isn't even going to be launched on EOS. It's going to be launched on some corporate proprietary chain first. So non-blockchain. Well, yeah, in our in our viewpoint, yeah. Cool. All so, right. Uh, well, then I'll link up Josh's articles. Go to bravenewcoin.com to check out the new ones. Also go to bravenewcoin.com or ledgerstatus.com slash BNC. Sign up for BNC Pro to try that. That's how Josh is managing his altcoin portfolio. And uh, it's really great. It's got some new stuff in there. Lots of, lots of neat stuff you can do. Terminal-like experience for managing your cryptocurrency portfolio. And thanks to Brave New Coin for being a Ledger Status partner. Go to both of our YouTube channels. I've been popping out some videos. Ready to keep that going. Got to be ready for bull markets, you know, Josh? Uh, yeah. Uh, I will happy. say this. I am in the late stages of some a lot of videos coming out of my channel. So look out nice. for those. Some nice evergreen content coming. Ah, nice. Looking forward to that. And thanks, everybody, for joining us. We will catch you next time.